Julie, Brian, how are we doing? I'm alright, you? Good, good. I said to you beforehand, I don't get nervous, right? But I'm a wee bit nervous today. Because oh, <laughs> it's a it's a totally different episode, but you know, I, I hope people watch it and I hope people take something out of it. It's, it's more of a charity focus we're looking at. Obviously, both of you came up with the, the Baby Loss Retreat charity. Mm-hmm. We'll go through, obviously, why it was created and the kind of challenges that you're facing and we'll get a wee pitch in at the end because you never know who's watching and can I yeah. support and donate, etc. Yeah. For, for the both of you, obviously, and please talk about what you're comfortable with and what you know mm-hmm. is, is absolutely fine. Where, where did it all stem from? Where did the, the, the kind of basis of the charity and the retreat come from, from, from you two? Well, it started the 9th of July um, when we lost a little girl, 2003. Um, pregnancy was fine. Um, had a few scans. Erin's... Um, was grown below the, f- so there's basically like three lines when you get a scan and Erin was at the very bottom of the line, but okay. she wasn't like gradually going up. She was going off the line. Mm-hmm. Um, hospital said they weren't concerned. This was roughly about 25 weeks. They said they weren't concerned. So they just kept an eye on me more. And um, about 36 weeks, they brought me in for more regular scans. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically was just saying that we'll keep an eye on you. And we'll see how it goes. And then one weekend, I didn't feel very well. Um, there wasn't very much movement. So Erin would move more at night time. And then that gradually stopped. Um, I woke up on the Sunday morning. I had said to Brian, um, like, there's no much movement. There's wee movements, but no much. So I phoned my mum and she was just like, go for a bath. Like, Aye. little tales that they say. Aye. So I went for a bath, ate ice cream. And there was a wee bit of movement. Woke up in a uh, Monday morning and there was nothing at all. Like I was like poking my belly to see right. if there was a reaction. There was nothing there. Um, so I was due to go for a scan on the Monday. So I said to Brian and Brian's like, why don't we just wait till we get there? So sitting in that um, room, obviously, because it's like a reception area where all the women sit and they mm-hmm. get their, wait for their scans. And I just felt this heart-wrenching feeling in my heart, knowing that I was going to get bad news. Um as a mum, you always get an instinct that something's wrong. Yeah. And I had that. Um, so when I went in and I said to the lady who was doing the uh, scan, I said, I haven't had much movement over the weekend. I said this morning, I haven't had any. And she's like, oh, let's just get you up in the bed and we'll check it yeah. out. And obviously she scanned and she was scanning away for ages. And then she was like, I need to go and get a consultant. So at that point, I looked at Brian and I was like, they're going to tell us something yeah. here. So she went away, got the consultant, the consultant come back. Again, he was scanning. It felt like hours, <laughs> but it wasn't. It was probably only like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, he scanned and he was like, listen, I'm really sorry, but there's no heartbeat there. Mm-hmm. Um, My heart just sunk into the bed, my whole body. I was just looking at Brian like for answers and I'm like, "What? what's happening? And mm-hmm. Brian's looking at me and doesn't know what to say. Um, And then for there, we were put into a side room. Right. Um, we were given the option to phone family so there was a phone there and it was just like two wee cheers and I was like phone your family I, I just don't know what I'm what yeah. what's happening here I don't know what I have to say to them because I don't know myself what's yeah. happening um, eventually we did we phoned our parents and I just remember my mum screamed down the phone because she lost a little girl right. um, so that must have been hard for her yeah. hearing that back as well so I just remember these screams um, and then after that our midwife came in Fiona 
and she had me dissolve through her pregnancy. She, uh, followed dissolve through her pregnancy, and she was kind of like, "Look, I'm really sorry, gave us a cuddle and stuff like that." And she was like, "I need to give you a tablet. You need to go home for three days." Right. And I was pleading, "No, can you not just section me?" And she's mm -hmm. like, "No, because we don't know when Erin's passed away, so it could cause obviously an infection for yourself." Yes. So eventually, we agreed to go home and just walking into that hospital, coming out of that hospital, walking in a lift. Yeah. And I remember, me and Brian remember the doors opening and this parent coming in with this newborn yeah. baby with a car seat. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like, I was in flooded tears, but I was trying to hide myself because I didn't want yeah. to make that parent feel that mm -hmm. it felt bad because she was bringing a new baby home. But deep inside, I was like, why me? Why is this happening to me? Yeah. Um, drove home, can't remember the drive home. Uh, arrived at the house, my mum was there um, and basically I just went to bed and slept for the two days yeah. to when I was due back into the hospital. Um, all I done was cry, wake up, sleep, just done the same thing and then I was due to go back in. Uh, went back into the hospital and was uh, put into this room and it was just basically near the maternity unit where every babies were getting born. Um, the midwife was fantastic. She, honestly, she couldn't have done any more than mm. was she already done. She was saying, if you need any pain relief, please let me know. Yeah. And she was asking us if we wanted to hold Erin. But at the time, we were unsure because we weren't sure what Erin was going to look like when yeah. she came out. So um, I said, yeah, I would like to hold her. Um, and then obviously, for then, um, they started to obviously progress my labour, so they were giving me pessaries mm -hmm. um, for my labour to progress. Um, I think I got free, and then eventually it started to work, and Erin was born, I think it was half two in the morning. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But because I had that so much drugs because of the pain, mm -hmm. like when I did get to hold Erin, I never really was there, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It was like it was all yeah. fuzzy, and I just wish I had that chance for them to turn around and say, listen, what we could do is take her away and bring her back in the morning, mm -hmm. and then you can hold her. But yeah. they didn't offer that, so it was kind of like they did say that because we didn't have cuddle cots then, which they've right. got now. So Erin had colour changing on her face, so uh -huh. what they said was you could hold her so long, but because she's got bleeding for her nose and stuff like that, things will start to change, yeah. and you don't really want to see her like that. And yeah. I agreed, we agreed that that's what we'd, we'd do. So I think we hold her maybe a bit longer, but I felt like it was only 20 minutes. Oh, yeah, um, the midwife actually took Erin away to get her dressed as well, which I was really upset for because I wish I could have done that because obviously yeah. I never got a chance to do that. Mm -hmm. Um so we end up, they took her away and we stayed overnight and it was really, really hard. Like waking up in the morning, actually thought it was a dream. So when I woke yeah. up, I, I didn't know where I was and I was kind of felt, this is like a dream to me. Like, mm -hmm. and I just wanted out the hospital, I didn't want to stay there. Yeah. So the midwife came in and she was like, what do you want to do? You can stay here as a choice for you. And I was like, no, I need to go home. Because you could hear babies being born in the next... Um, a constant reminder there. Yeah, yeah. so I was yeah. just kind of like, do you know what? This is not really doing anything for me. I need mm -hmm. to go home. Um, and then she started talking about funerals and stuff like that. And I was like, I, at the time I was only about 20. So I never really had to bury anybody, make that decision. Yeah. Now, like my mum yeah. and dad are anything. So I was kind of like, I don't know. I said, mm -hmm. I don't have financial as well. Yeah. Um, to make a decision of what's happening. So she did explain that the hospital can take over um, the cremation. If I right. go for cremation, they can take over it all. And obviously they would just contact me when the funeral would take place. Mm -hmm. 
So we agreed to do that because obviously we didn't know any other options and yeah. we didn't have financially money that we could obviously get her buried. Mm-hmm. Um, so we made that choice and we went home and um, that was for like, was it a week or two before they yeah, contacted us? Week, a week after, yeah. Right, yeah. So it was like a week after um, they contacted us just saying that, listen, you can go down. This is a date that Erin's going to be cremated. You can take music down. Um, you can take whatever you want to put in the coffin and stuff like that. So we went down and we took music down with us. But my mum said to me, listen, ask about ashes. Right. And I was like, right, okay, because she had buried my gran the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, right, that's fine. I did ask the question and they were like, no, um, you wouldn't get ashes because of the baby's so small. Right. Um, and I was like, right, okay, we just came away thinking that's fine. Yeah. Um, had the service. Service was lovely. We had family and friends that came along. Um, bit upset when the coffin did come because I wanted it to be opened back up again, yeah. which they refused for me to do. Right. Um, but I, I was just determined I wanted this coffin open to make sure that she was there. Yeah. Um, but they just said no. Um, and then my dad carried the coffin down and we had the service. Um, then after then it was kind of like, what do I do now? Yeah. Like I was absolutely stuck. I was like. Brian went back to work and then I was just left on my own. I couldn't go back to work. Mm-hmm. I tried it and I just, I, I was arguing with people yeah. and I was so angry. So I was like, I need to leave my work. Mm-hmm. Um, I took more time off. Um, the work was good, that kind of way to yeah. give me that time to grief. Um, but I just felt like everybody was going back to their all normal life and I was stuck yeah. in this wee bubble and I didn't know where to go or where to turn to. Went to my GP and he was kind of like, I can give you like antidepressants. Mm-hmm. And at that time I wasn't sure about antidepressants. Yeah. So I was just kind of like, just give me anything that's going yeah. to help me. But I felt they made me 10 times worse because it closed off the grief. Yeah. So I wasn't really accepting the grief. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of like leaving it there so that I wasn't thinking about it as more. Yeah. Um, and then when I eventually did come off it, it was like, that's when the grief really, really hurt me. Um, and it is such a different process for for everybody, I yeah, would imagine, yeah. to, is, to deal with yeah. it because it's, you're obviously in the house, but you're you're then having to go back to work and yeah. you're trying to process it and yeah, and like we spoke about it before the the podcast started. Guys are rubbish. Yeah, yeah. any sort of thing like that about feelings and guy, that must have been hard for you as well. Yeah, no, the guy's perspective is you've you've got to be the kind of I'm Mike's Royal Navy, so mm-hmm. I was. You've got to be that not that hard attitude, but yeah. you've got that attitude that. You've got to just focus on what you're doing in the job. Mm-hmm. And when uh, we lost Erin, obviously when Julie said she was sitting in the, the scan room, mm-hmm. and she was looking at me, and I, I was quite frustrated because I couldn't give her an answer. Yeah, and she's looking at me for answers, so I was finding it hard. Uh, when we went into the room for the phone again, Julie, I was getting quite angry. I'm thinking, why? Why is there a phone in here? What, yeah. what, what, what's going on here? So. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of anger in yeah. there during the grief. Um, yeah, I was rubbish at it. I'll admit it. Uh, I was. I wasn't really there for Julie. Mm-hmm. Um, I just went back to work about a week after, mm-hmm. probably just after the funeral. Yeah. Um, I went back there, and us guys are good at kind of throwing it in the back of our head, thinking mm-hmm. that's the solution. Mm-hmm. Um, we think we're okay. Mm-hmm. I thought it was okay. Um, I probably wasn't. Uh, supporting Julie enough mm-hmm. in uh, her grief, so we were kind of not arguing quite a lot, weren't we? Mm-hmm. 
um, which is just a normal thing yeah. you're going through because yeah. part of your grief is the anger um, yeah. and the kind of denial mm-hmm. uh, part of it. Yeah, and it, it, it took me well over 10 years, believe it or not, mm. to talk about it because I just shifted it to the back yeah. of my head and it didn't do me any good at all. Mm-hmm. It was just mentally draining me, mentally yeah. scarring me uh, because I did have it in my head. Yeah. But I was just trying to throw it away and put my head down to the work, mm-hmm. constantly working all the time, mm-hmm. night shifts, day shifts, I'll do these shifts. Um, and during that time, in 10 years, we had two kids. We had yeah. two kids. Yeah. So again, Julie had, uh, it was only about a year and a half later, mm-hmm. uh, we had Demi. Right. So Julie's still going through all that grief, and then she's pregnant again. Yeah. And then she's having a, a baby, obviously Demi. Demi was fine, mm-hmm. but she still hasn't dealt with the grief that yeah. uh, we'd been through with Erin. Right. So, and again, she was mentally scarred. She was yeah. post-traumatic uh, stress, mm-hmm. and I was not dealing with it because, again, us guys are just rubbish at yeah. it. We, we, I always felt as if, see if I'm going to open up, I'm, I'm a failure. I, I can't. I, I, that's me failed. Is that a sign of weakness thing? Which is bonkers when you, you actually break it down, I, but it is a... I wanted to sit down and cry and open aye. up and say, Julie, I'm struggling, but I thought I can't do that because aye. Julie's struggling herself mm-hmm. and I don't want to burden her with aye. all my stress mm-hmm. and strain on that. So... It wasn't until one day Julie says, you've got to counselling. And I was like, no, I'm not. Aye. No chance. No chance. And even till we got in the room and we were sitting with a woman. I can't remember her name. What was her name? I can't remember anyway. So we sat down and she just says, right, tell me. Now, 10 years ago, uh, sorry, when I was at the 10-year stage, mm-hmm. I couldn't talk about it then. Aye. The minute I sat down and I spoke about the, what happened in the scan room, mm-hmm. it just opened up. And I felt this... I was crying yeah. my eyes out and I just felt this massive relief on yeah. my shoulders and the massive relief in my head and that obviously the council just says that's that's what you've been needing Aye. so um, now I see it and um, I do see a lot of guys that are losing babies mm-hmm. like me yeah, uh, and they're still like it um, so it's very very frustrating but we're, we're there to work with them mm-hmm. we're trying different ways Guys are, if me and you wanted to talk about our strains or um, grief or anything like that, we wouldn't sit down and talk about it. Uh, But if we went to a football game or went to watch a football Mm -hmm. or went to a pub or went to a coffee and we sat about talk about football or whatever, netball or blah, 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 Mm -hmm. or hockey or whatever, and had all different types of Mm -hmm. sports we've been talking about, we feel comfortable talking about that. Um, and also we do charity football matches we right. do five aside matches right. and what we do is we say to the dads bring you all your friends mm-hmm. put your baby's name in the back of the t-shirts yeah. blah 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 that's they, they still don't want to talk about it yeah. but that's their way of acknowledging that they're baby yeah. so um, we're trying to do different types of things mm-hmm. with the guys because a guy Two guys sitting down talking about their loss. It's no, it's they probably talk about nine other subjects before. It's just it's like the elephant in the room. It's kind of yeah. I don't want to talk about it. You don't want to talk about it. So yeah. we'll just talk about other things and yeah. and skirt around the issue. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I've, we've also I've, I've spoke to dads before, and they've always said the the, the common denominator is there. No saying anything bad, but the other people around them mm-hmm. don't want to talk about it. 
Yeah. I says, so sometimes it's up to you to speak up. Yeah. One guy, he's, he was a big football fan. I'm not going to say what football team he was supporting at mm-hmm. the time, but he used to go into the pub. He was a life and soul of the pub, the party, right. and blah, blah, blah. And they all uh, around him. And he's, after the loss, he says, can I tell you something? He says, I was in the pub the other day. Mm-hmm. Nobody spoke to me. And I says, do you know why mm-hmm. that is? Because they're frightened yeah. what they need to say, what yeah. they're going to say to you. Yeah. Um, so what they do is, the just what you need to do is go in there, right. stand up and say, I have had a loss, I'm grieving, mm-hmm. I'm struggling at times, but you need to come and talk to me. Right. And he says, he, he came back the next week after that and he says, I can't believe that. He says, that's exactly what it was. The right. people did not know what to say. I spoke up and they're all giving me cuddles and all that. And they're all saying, oh mate, I didn't know what to say to you. It's exactly what that was. It's just that, me, that masculine mentality. Oh, and it's so common because you're, you could probably imagine the other guy sitting there going, what do we go say? Exactly. We say you're all right and he says no. What, what, then, what, what do, do we, we do? say then? Yeah, and yeah. it's that whole kind of, that's then when guys just go, I am fine. Because you don't want to deal with the Aye. the circle of, no, I'm no, here's what's wrong with me. And unloading the guy sitting there like that. Exactly. Aye. It's going to ask you if you want a pint. I've no idea what to do now, but it's Aye. that just kind of, and you say to yourself, like, that you speaking about it unloads that 10 years of it sitting in the back of your mm-hmm. head, just kind of, Mm-hmm. No doing anything, do you know what I mean? I'm not the only one. There's Aye. loads of guys Aye. out there. I mean, try and encourage. We've got support groups as well. Mm-hmm. And again, that's for them to come as a couple and yeah. come on their own and sit and talk. Uh, we've got different rooms. We can hire different rooms in mm-hmm. the office. If they want to come and sit for half an hour mm-hmm. just to talk about it and offload, then, yeah, we, we'll do that, definitely. And see the, the retreat, did that come around then? Obviously, with both both your own experiences, did you feel there was a kind of lack of support options at that point for what happens next and kind of how how does it help you down the line? Yeah, aftercare is really important. Like when you leave the hospital, it might not be that support you need straight away, Mm -hmm. but in a year's time, you might need that. So you can't really go back to the hospital in a year time Mm -hmm. because obviously uh, uh, NPI, I can say it, in MPI right. services, um, they only help up to a year. So basically after okay. you've had that child over a year, then it's basically your GP's your protocol. But then a lot of GP's don't know where to like, send to. Yeah. Um, so basically for us to try and work with the GP's to try and work with aftercare support, because that's what we actually offer. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we started it because your experience to make sure that families weren't left alone mm-hmm. and leaving it so long. Because part of your grief, you, early intervention is really, really important yeah. to be part of your grief so that you're accepting it and you're able to deal with it and understand what grief is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's able to help you, obviously in future pregnancies as well with myself, because I didn't deal with that grief, I took it on to another another pregnancy which then caused a postnatal depression Mm -hmm. um so maybe if i did have that support then things may be a bit more different yeah um so that's why we offer that kind of care is to Mm -hmm. try and support them as much as possible Mm -hmm. when they leave the hospital back in 2003 there there was support groups there right but the the taboo subject was still there and Mm -hmm. it was real really bad yeah and it's nearly 20 years ago now Mm -hmm. Uh, we got offered to go to one and we went in there and we sat on the table Nobody asked us, how are you? Can you tell us your baby's name? Can you tell us what happened? They all sat down and they says, hey, we've got a couple of fundraisers. Do you fancy joining us? Julie just stood up and went, I walked out. It's just not going to help you, is it? I stood up and walked out, aye. I thought it was going to be, and I think that's why it's always put me off going to a support group. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why 
I've looked at the support group for parents' point of views and from our own. Mm -hmm. And basically, some of it's not just about they want to talk. It could be they're coming because they're not sleeping properly. They want this kind of support. So what we do is we bring in sleep therapists Mm -hmm. that are able to try and help them. Or we've brought in yoga and we've got the guys involved in yoga lying down. Like They've looked at us and went, really? But (laughs) I'm like, try it. You don't know until you try things. Like if it's not for you, you can stand up and sit in the corner or whatever Mm -hmm. you want to do. We don't force anybody to do it. But we're listening to the parents' point of views. And this Mm -hmm. is really important because it's the parents you're actually dealing it for so if they're saying i need this then it's looking for it to say Mm -hmm. where can we find this why don't we bring it in try it out it's not going to be for everybody even the counseling retreats are not going to be for everybody but it's about us finding that what the parents need Mm -hmm. and then find it for somewhere else and it takes a lot for even both you going to that group it takes a lot for somebody to actually get there in the first place and then if that's your first experience People are just going to go, I'm, I'm not doing this anywhere. Yeah. I'm not even trying yeah. to. Yeah. Well, we've, so we've, had, we've had people come up to the door and they've said, I got to the door and I've just went home. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we we just say, that's fine. Mm-hmm. We never uh, decry in they saying, that's not the right thing you should yeah. do because then we know they're not ready yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we always say to the parent, you need to make sure you're ready mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. if you walk in and you're not ready, you're going to be all over the place. We're right. talking to you. You're not taking that in, mm-hmm. so you need to be ready. Mm-hmm. Um, Tiny steps, even yeah. making that to the door, then maybe the following week go, or the following month, right, okay, I'm, I've made it to the door, now I'm going to make it in. Mm-hmm. But we've had guys that sat, sat up the back, we've had it in support yep. groups that they've sat up the back, yeah. and they've done it for about two months, and then eventually you see them creeping down, yeah. and then they get involved. Mm-hmm. That That's what it should be. It should yeah. be when they're ready, when they're comfortable yep. to do mm-hmm. it. Um, it's no for us. Yeah. And then you've got the retreat side of it as well. So what is that? So during obviously lockdown, it was just the retreats that we had. Mm -hmm. So basically um, it's run um, by a family. Okay. So um, we've got rooms there. It's like a six bedded house Mm -hmm. and the restaurant and the cafe is on the other side. So basically what we do is we refer parents to there. They get a £80 voucher for the the two nights that they're staying there. The reason they get that is because financially maybe two of the parents are all sick or maybe one parent's all sick Mm -hmm. financially, they might not be able to afford to do that. So I don't want them to have that worry when they're going to the retreat that they've got, oh, I can't go there because I don't have the money to pay for food. So we give them a voucher or they're self-catering so they can actually cater for themselves. Mm -hmm. If they need a voucher, we'll give them a voucher to go to the supermarket and obviously they can buy stuff. Um, Also in the room, there's a comfort bag and that's basically stuff that... um, we candles stuff that would help them mm-hmm. um there's also a journal there that they can fill out right um how they're feeling and that will keep processing how they've went from like obviously the loss to how's the way are now with that kind of support mm-hmm. um that's in there and then we have a memory book um that's in the room so basically that's every family that stayed in the retreats um story mm-hmm. from when they're well I don't, I don't like saying sorry i like saying journey because yeah. it's not an ending mm-hmm. Um, so it's like a journey that they're able to write down, obviously, um, their baby's name and what's yeah. what's been happening and stuff like that. So that other families can read that because sometimes you feel you're alone and isolated mm-hmm. and you think it's just happening to yourself when it's not because you're listening, you're reading these stories and thinking, yeah. wow. It must I'm be not... quite healing as well, being able to read. Yeah, because you're, it does. you're not going to a group, you're not having to go and speak to someone, but you can yeah. sit there and kind of process. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. There's so many other people who yep. have loved this. And you're processing it in your time and space. Yeah. Because then they've got that option to be over in the restaurant mixing with other families mm-hmm. or they can stay in their own room. So they've got that kind of choice of what they want to do because a lot of families don't want to go. They just want to go there two days and stay in the room and that's it. Yeah. That's perfectly fine mm-hmm. as long as they're okay. Yeah. How we come up with that idea was um, we, were, we thought back to when we lost Erin. Mm-hmm. What was... Uh, beneficial to us so we managed to get some money together and we went to Gran Canaria right just after it and we always thought about that holiday nobody knew our story yeah people were talking to us and we actually I'm not going to say we enjoyed the holiday because we're still Mm -hmm. going through a lot of grief Mm -hmm. but with that time away and that's when we thought about the charity there's something missing and that's probably that's what it is Mm -hmm. Um, we built the retreat from there's your retreat to Julie saying during lockdown we were having people still going through the government gave us the authorization because it was mental health to now uh, we do scenarios with the, the parents when they're there mm-hmm. um, and it's simple things like we spoke to counsellors qualified counsellors and said when there are two couples sitting together what, what do we need them to engage because yeah. some of them are not talking right and again if it was me and Julie we wouldn't talk about it yeah but see somebody sat us down by a wee bit of paper and says First question is the first time I met you, and then it's a wee blank square, yeah. and then what they've got to do is fill it in. Could right. be a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> when you say the first time I met you, I can stand you, but it's to get them together, yeah. and then we give them scenarios about, um, say you were across the road and you seen one of your friends that's um, just had a baby. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that? And the, the guy might say, "I might go up and congratulate him," and then mm-hmm. the mum says, mm-hmm. uh, "Oh no, what I'm going to do is cross over the street because yeah. I'm not going to do it." Yeah. But what's happening is they've got their differences, but mm-hmm. they're going to talk about it. Yeah. So, it's, so again, that the husband it's, understands it's, the wife as well, kind it's of. It's about them right. engaging. As Julie says, it's about them understanding each other's. Uh, well, they're sitting with both these scenarios in their yeah. heads yeah. and no talking about it, are they? Aye, aye. Aye. Because then you exactly. don't know, because aye. you might think that your husband doesn't care because yep. he's no he's going over there to look aye. at this baby, but it's not. That's his way of dealing. Yep. He's able to deal aye. with it a wee bit more better aye. than maybe. Um, the wife is mm-hmm. it just I so having that to communicate that so that they do understand mm-hmm. that you're grieving in different stages in different parts yeah. as well. Yeah. So how it, really how difficult was it to set up like the charity from the because there's obviously a lot of different regulations and permutations, but I take it that didn't deter you at that point. You were just kind of full steam ahead to Aye. to get yeah. something in place. When we've got something in our mind. We yeah. go for it. There is a wee bit. Sorry, we just missed it at the beginning. Obviously, Julie was talking about the ashes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were part of the ashes scandal as well. So right. uh, in Scotland, and it was the Dildowie crematorium. So okay. I don't know if you remember Morton Hall. That was in Edinburgh. Yeah, there was baby's ashes getting scattered out the back door in uh, the crematorium. Right. People couldn't find their baby's ashes. So. Me and Julie sat down one time and watched the news and we just looked at each other and went, do you think Erin? Because we never got her. Mm-hmm. She's, obviously we get told the, the baby was yeah. too small. So in about two days, mm-hmm. about six or seven parents came forward and says, I think my baby's been the same in Glasgow. Yeah. Blah. So a big investigation went on for right. two years. Um, can't remember the woman's name, but there's about a 400-page document uh, condemning pretty much all the crematoriums around Scotland uh, because of were neglecting, there was no training, nobody knew what to do with ashes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were burning babies with uh, adults uh, in the same uh. Uh, crematorium. 
we were part of that investigation uh, and then one day we got a phone call and I'll let Julie talk about that. We got a phone call to say, well, Julie got a phone call mm-hmm. to say they found Erin's ashes. Right. And this was 13 years after she was wow. born. So basically they'd stuck her on a shelf in a funeral director's. And told you that there was... Yeah, there was no protocol. So basically they were blaming the hospital, saying that it was down to the hospital and then the hospital were blaming the funeral directors and I was like, well, surely one of you are able to manage something yeah is our business yeah. so um basically said that that what would happen was that they would get a phone call then you would get a, a later then it'd be a phone call then it would be nothing basically mm-hmm. um but i've had my number since i was about ugh, about 19 right. so i've never changed it and i still go to this yeah. day so it's no as if and we didn't change house so it's no yeah. as if it was like could be easy mistaken by mm-hmm. that that we've changed house so we were always living in the same house yeah. um so when they told me i was kind of like no i put the phone down right. on her because i was like i couldn't believe what they were saying because yeah. obviously I, when you when you as a child like going to a graveyard or going somewhere if you've got ashes you scatter them somewhere like precious to you yeah. so that you can keep going back but i had nothing mm-hmm. nothing to be able to say that Aaron was born. Yeah. So, like, obviously, no ashes to go to, nothing to help me with my grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she said that was kind of a shock, and I just put the phone down. But then I, eventually, I phoned her back, and I was like, "Listen, I'm really sorry, but I just couldn't take what you were taking in there." Um, and even when we went to collect them in Dowie, it was a gent, it was Ian, he handed us over, and it was just this wee white box. Right. I had a sticker on the top, and it just said, um, "Aaron." And then he was like, here, and he's like, um, do, you, do you need anything else? And then I was like, anything away. else? And I just thought, just pick it up and just leave. Yeah. And I picked it up and left. And then when I got them home, I was like, these are no errands. I said to Brian, they're no errands. Right. I said there was no paper trail. So basically through Erin's investigation, there was no paper trail. Right. So there's a CAI number that goes with every child. Mm-hmm. And it tells them if they're female, male, um, and it tells them their weight and stuff like that when they were born. So basically through the investigation, they couldn't find any of that wearing. Right. So how can you turn around and hand something to them mm. to say that they're Aaron's ashes? Yeah. It wasn't through the investigation. There was CID involved in it. Mm-hmm. So basically I said to him, listen, I want these checked. And mm. he was like, we can't because of the heat process unless somebody's got teeth. Right. then they would be able to do it yeah. that way. But because of the heat process, they couldn't. So I was Googling, like, America, everything. And eventually the guy who was dealing with us at the time with the CID is like, look, Julie, do you really want to put yourself through this? Like, mm-hmm. really? Like, yeah. what you've been through the now? And then and I, I, the more I thought about it and I went, do you know what? No, because then it's going to take over my life and I'm going to yeah. end up back to where I was the first time and it's took me all this time to Which get myself together. Yeah, because yeah, it, it brings back everything yeah. back up again. Mm-hmm. So you're you're trying to deal with your life and you're trying to move on as much as you can, but then when something like this hits, you're like, I'm going to go back down to where I was yeah. and I, I can't do that because mm-hmm. it was really bad time for myself. Yeah. So I was like, I can't do this. I need to change. I need to do something differently. And that's when we sat down one night and we're like, right, what do we do? Like, what is missing here? And it was like obviously getting away, just having for that family, just to have that separation mm. and be able to talk together and have a laugh. Because sometimes people think because you've lost a child, you can't laugh, yeah. and you can laugh. Yeah. No matter what, you can laugh. You think you're going to get judged for it? Yeah, yeah I. Exactly. And it was yeah. just kind of yeah. like I need to go away and I need to have a headspace. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we done. We went away and had some headspace to come back and say, even to make the decision, did we want to have more kids? Mm-hmm. Because then 
do we need to put ourselves through that again? Are we going to be able to manage to go through that again? This yeah. is the things you need to think about. Mm-hmm. And what stage do you try for another child and stuff like that? So to make sure we were all, the twos were in the right um, frame of mind mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that hit, that was good for us to get away because then we knew we wanted to have more children. Yeah. Um, and then I fell pregnant a year later, obviously, with my daughter, Demi. And do you um, have that? I take it that fear factors there mm-hmm. when you're going through the pregnancy because yep. you're you're obviously thinking back and yep. you're trying not to worry when you're trying not to stress yourself. But how how hard is that to deal with as well? Really, really hard. Aye. Aye. Yep. I think as you were going back in the same scan room that we had more right. staring in. Aye. So you're getting flashbacks. Aye. And every time that person's putting the gel and the the, the ultrasound on the belly, mm-hmm. you just you're looking at it as if to say, mm-hmm. and it, that you get. You get paranoid because mm-hmm. the first time they were showing us how the blood flow works. Right. So the minute we were going in, we were saying, are you going to do the blood flow? And she's like, yeah, yeah. we are. Are you yeah, going yeah. to check the heartbeat? Yes, mm-hmm. I am. So you were getting obsessed with yeah. it, weren't you? And mm-hmm. we were going in every week because we just... Yeah, what did to be could, sure. Yeah, yeah, it was... I downloaded an app. It was a dobbler. Right. So I downloaded that and I used to put it to my belly and it would pick up the heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And I was getting addicted to stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until my midwife's like, you need to stop this because yeah. it's not helping you in your pregnancy yeah, because yeah. your anxiety levels were like going high and stuff like that. And I, so I had to come away for that. But that was really hard, even mm-hmm. just being pregnant again. Like, because yeah. Yeah. you were, it was like, right, I'm past 20 week stage, right? I'm past 25. But as mm-hmm. I always say, it doesn't matter these stages. These stages doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's, it can happen any stage. Erin yeah. was 38 weeks, so... And I'll give the NHS or Drew, we, we, we demanded that, because the 38 week stage was a very, very nerve wracking mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And we demanded, can we go in and get induced in right. 38 weeks? And they went, yes. So they, they were yeah. totally with us. Yeah, they were supportive. So not as if they yeah. said, no, you know, you need to go no, through your normal were. labour. Yeah. Um, so the, the second time we went back, obviously when we fell pregnant again, they were, they were on it like, uh, they were like, right, aspirin, we need to hit you with aspirin because they mm. found out through the post-mortem it was a blood clot in my placenta. Right. So straight away, as soon as I, I was trying for a baby, I had to go on aspirin. Right, okay. And basically that helped the placenta grow and the blood flow yeah. and stuff like that because the blood flow's got to go to yourself plus the baby. Mm-hmm. And then I started to change the way I was eating and stuff like that as right. well. Um, try to eat more of my veg and like salmon and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that basically helped. But they did, they were there and they were like, right, you want a scan, come up, any issues, mm-hmm. then please phone us up. And I, when I did, like, near a, a later stage, I was like, no, I need to go up. Yeah. I was up constantly, poor midwives, do you know what I mean? Get enough to deal with. And I'm so. like, having them support I'm up again. me as well makes yeah, it must no. make a huge difference. Honestly, I take my heart so to the midwives. Aye. Like, they are so <clears> overrun and no paid enough basically yeah. and another thing they don't get support so when they're delivering a dead baby then maybe an hour later they need to go in and deliver a live baby or 10 minutes later so they're not ah, having that time to actually right, okay. focus and go right okay get yourself together like mm. yeah they can go and get a cup of tea but yeah. that's not going to make a difference to have that time no. out for a wee bit or even somebody to go and talk to rather than them taking that home that's horrendous yeah, when you break it down like that you could be yeah. 10 minutes and then uh-huh. yeah. aye because yeah. there's babies born every couple of, well, and 10 how, minutes for an hour. how could you go into the next one with that? Mm-hmm. I don't That's know. That's what I'm getting. You couldn't do that in your everyday job. No. See, no. see if something catastrophic no. happened, you couldn't just go, right, um, no. exactly. I'll be back in the morning. Yeah. 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 The midwives are not looked after with the NHS. Right. Yeah. That That's something that's failing. The NHS is failing the midwives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They should have that time out to yeah. be able to go, right, okay, I need maybe an hour or mm-hmm. a, maybe some people ju- do need just 10 yeah. minutes, yeah. but judging it by that person, not everybody's 100%. the same again 100%. in dealing with the grief. 
So it's mean, trying to get workplaces them. now have got a, a, a phone line where you can phone somebody yeah. if you're struggling. Yeah. Um, but they haven't. They haven't got anything. Like that. It's yeah. really, really. So yeah, it's terrifying. not very nice. Yeah. Do you remember the first people that you helped? Yes. Yeah. We still keep in touch with them. Do you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, They've got five a years later. Now. Five years later. So we started in February uh, 2018, and they contacted us about April. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're just trying to build the the, the charity up. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we didn't have a lot of money. We yeah. didn't know how to do it because it was just me and Julie at the start yeah. of it. We didn't know how to get funding. We got a, couple, a bit of support for a charity, an organisation called Vanel, mm-hmm. which is a voluntary organisation in North Lanarkshire. So right. they helped us a lot with building a charity and we're really, really thankful mm-hmm. for them. Uh, but, and then they've got a, guy, a kind of guy who deals with grants. Mm-hmm. So he was just starting to build it up. And then I remember we... We didn't have a website then, did we not? No. We just had a Facebook page and then the first message came in and it was like, oh my God, oh my God. What yeah. do we do? What do we do? It's happening now. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, uh, we were just two parents, so we're like, what are we doing? But just talking to them. As I say, we still talk to them now. Yeah. Julie mentioned way, way back at the beginning, it's aftercare support. Mm-hmm. That's just not about us just saying, right, you've had your... Because we're talking about the counselling sessions, about the counselling sessions are six sessions. Mm-hmm. And then they go on a retreat. They go, they've got yeah. to get the counselling first. Uh, well, they don't have to, but we advise Just to make sure they're safe down yeah. there because there's obviously yeah. situations there that yeah. we just want to make sure they're okay. Yeah. Because you can't go you can go on a retreat, but see if you get the counselling first. Mm-hmm. Then you start getting your coping skills and you can understand the grief yeah. and maybe accept the grief. Mm-hmm. And then you can go down the retreat. So, um, yeah, it's... When the, the parents come to us... Uh, I don't know what I'm going to go into there, sorry. Oh, it's fine to want me to. Uh, so when the <laughs> when that referral comes in, it'll come in from either the hospitals or it could be families um, mm-hmm. that have already been on the treat. So they come in, it uh, gets emailed or whatever, then I do the follow-up and I speak to them the next day. So okay. say it comes in, then it'll get done the next day and I speak to them, ask them to come into the office. Yep. So they'll come into the office in Glasgow, basically just for that, because it's nice for them to come in and talk about their baby rather mm-hmm. than on a phone or over a Zoom. Yeah. It's nice to have that personal touch. Yep. Um, so they come in, we have a chat with them, just like try to say, what is it you need? What do you want mm-hmm. from this? And then it could be for the counselling side, it could be trauma therapy or the retreats or the support groups. So once we make a decision what they want, then they get referred to the counselling side mm-hmm. um, and then they, the families contact the counselling right. so that they're able to have that one-to-one than a freeway conversation. Okay. Because um, I don't want it to be back and forth to me and then I've got to go to the counsellor. So I feel that it's beneficial for the families mm-hmm. so that they're not stressed that they actually do all the communication with the counsellor. Yep. So they'll phone them up and they'll start maybe two or three days later. So they're not waiting that long yeah. to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason for that is because we've got quite a lot of counsellors that we've got. So mm-hmm. it's like a rotation to each counsellor right. so that they've got enough space Right. Um, to go by so they'll get six sessions first mm-hmm. if they need more the counsellor will come back to me they'll give me a wee bit of description of how they're needing the more counselling mm-hmm. and then obviously if we've got funding there then we're able to give them that mm-hmm. um, time for more sessions and is it difficult to get that link in with like, the doctors and the, the hospitals and things because I, I suppose it's for for the services that you provide you'll need that mm-hmm. that kind of line of Here's people that, that need yeah. you, but how hard was that to say? Really, up? really hard. Yeah. Hard it's, is it's tough. them having a trust in okay. you. Yeah. Could you imagine just somebody walking into yeah. that husband and wife just walking in and saying, 
we've run a charity, mm-hmm. they're going to get defensive and say, I'm not going to put a referral into you because I don't know who you are. I yeah. don't know what you are mm-hmm. and I don't know how good you are. Mm-hmm. So we had to build that up with just referrals from Facebook. And yep. I say we didn't have the website at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were just taking it from people off the street. Yeah. Then we would build up, because what we do, the counselling sessions, we would do a feedback form, mm-hmm. which was really important, especially for funding. The parents coming back saying, I was suicidal. Yeah. Now I'm understanding everything. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for everything. And then at the retreat, we do a feedback. We yep. say how much they enjoy it. Oh, I couldn't believe it. We actually sat and talked and we I went away. Yeah, well. is there anything we need to improve? So we started building that up. Yeah. And then when you build that up and then you you, you start doing a presentation, mm-hmm. people are like, oh, by the way, yeah, yeah. it's it's mm-hmm. it's working, what mm-hmm. you're doing. And even five five years down the line now, we're probably still getting people that think, mm, I don't know, but mm-hmm. we're, we're getting the National Lottery gave us funding for three years. Right. For um, our office space, for our activities coordinator mm-hmm. for counselling trauma therapy and retreats so they gave us all that funding right for the next three years Brilliant. that's not to say that that's a feet up yeah it doesn't yeah. it doesn't it, it might sound a lot but it doesn't go through a lot because no. mm-hmm. for it six helps. sessions it's quite a lot mm-hmm. um but it does help yeah. but as brian said we're always still looking for funding mm-hmm. um even fundraising is most really really important because when you're fundraising you're fundraising to give another family what you've been through yeah so it's important that families try and help if they can mm-hmm. like even just doing it doesn't need to be loads of money as we always say if it's 50 pound 20 pound it's it's still going towards yeah. somebody's care yeah um so fundraising is a big big thing for us oh, um because eventually you might not get funding so mm-hmm. that might stop so it's mm-hmm. about having making sure that we've got the fundraising side there as well yeah and we fundraise throughout the year as well so we do um, from February right through to October. Well, yeah. September roughly. We don't ask at Christmas time because we know families are struggling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we try and just keep it at that limited. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's run by all the committee and all the staff at Baby right. Loss Retreat. Mm-hmm. So we're all pulling together to make yeah. sure that we've still got funds there to be able to give to um, other families. And families who have had support for you, they've been amazing. Honestly, oh. they've fundraised and they've raised loads of money. Yeah. And Some that's what it's about. It's about supporting each other. Yeah. Some of the fundraising has been amazing. Mm-hmm. We, 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 go, we try and go to the majority of them. Uh, right. I think mm-hmm. it's really important for us to be there, yeah. to um, be at the fundraising. But some of them have been fantastic. Yeah. I mean, we had one ones. fundraiser where I think it was so many raffle prizes and they were all done in different price ranges for right. £1, £2 yeah. to £15 to £20 raffle. Right. And the money it was going about was unbelievable. It was right. a fantastic yeah. night, really. Yeah, it? it was really good It's time. good to know you've got that level of support behind you, though, yeah, that people it's are, nice. are willing to organise yeah. stuff like yeah. that. And Especially when you put so much hard work into it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's always nice to be recognised that this is working and, yeah. do you know what I mean, what you're doing is mm-hmm. making a difference to people's lives. Yeah, and we do the kilt walk every year, and the Brilliant. first time we did it was five people. Just there on the 30th April, we had 41 people walking for us. So that was massive. Um, So, again, if the funding is the main thing, we need to. Is that the biggest challenge? No, well, the bigger challenge I've got is like, obviously, I've got plans of what Mm -hmm. I want. So, basically, I want a hub. We obviously, um, pods and stuff like that. I've got stuff in my mind because we deal with a lot of kids. We do listening music therapy. So I want to have that, that I'm able to control it and have like the space for the kids, have the space for the families, Mm -hmm. any aunties, uncles that want to come then. It's about having that space and like obviously for them to 
go away as well if they want to just stay in their pods then they've got that choice as well again mm -hmm. but that's that's my aim for 10 years time yeah. so oh, well no 10 five now because 10 year plan but yeah. i've got in my mind do what i want in the plans mm -hmm. but again financially we need somebody who's maybe yeah. bigger up that needs to come in and obviously help us and stuff like that knows quite a lot about business and mm -hmm. um to try and help us out that way and again it's about this building where that parent standing outside that door thinking am i going in there am i going yeah. out we want we've as julie says we've got that vision we always disagree about what design it's going to be mm -hmm. but it needs to mm -hmm. be somebody walking in that door where say it's like a reception area and she's just said i've lost my baby i need help yeah we've got rooms everywhere where mm -hmm. there's counselors sitting in there straight in early intervention as julie said mm -hmm. and uh, i've got my child here he's really struggling mm -hmm. let's get them into listen music therapy mm -hmm. then we do the counseling and then maybe same in the same building yeah out the back there's a big retreat mm -hmm. that they can mm -hmm. go in there and that's where they can spend time together that's that's the plan yeah but that costs money yeah that's 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 a massive massive uh, plan but who knows one day one day somebody might come in and just say do you know what i'm going to even a design yeah we were talking about that this year that's probably one of our plans this year is just to get what we've got in our head mm -hmm. and paper. paper yeah and then we can go to people and say how much is that we've just cost? got to remember yeah. nhs is a, a nhs is struggling yes, mm -hmm. exactly. so if we can get this up this hub well-being hub up yeah. it's going to make a difference and it's going to take pressure off the nhs yeah. especially the maternity units mm -hmm. so if we can get something like that because there's nothing like that in scotland yeah. yeah um and even what we provide there's nothing like that in scotland to what mm. we provide so we're unique yeah it makes we're it even more important doesn't yeah. it it's, yeah. yeah we're different so to have that would be really really good for scotland mm -hmm. obviously to have the first yeah um well-being center like that so I, I, I forgot what I was talking about earlier on. It was about the aftercare. The aftercare is really important. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not about us saying, right, that's your session's finished. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's about us. Again, people got on with their lives. Mm -hmm. Family got on with their lives. How many remember their birthdays in the family? Mm -hmm. Nobody. Friends. Aye. How many give them a birthday card and say, and I, I remember it was Erin's birthday. We didn't get that. Aye. How many sit down at Christmas and go to Julie Bryan? Erin. Yeah. Nobody does it. Yeah. Nobody ever does it. Yeah. So it's about us teaching the parents mm -hmm. and all that, the grandparents and aunties and uncles to say, just put the babies. Because again, it's all that fear factor. Did I put that baby's yeah. name? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Am I going to you don't upset until somebody? You do it. Aye. How are they going to react if and I do that? And then they'll tell you if they don't want it. But yeah. until you put that down in paper, you're never going to know. Yeah. So yeah. obviously that family's thinking that you don't care. But until you put it down in paper and then they say, listen, thanks for doing that, but I don't really want you to do it. Aye. Then you've solved the problem yeah. there. Aye. But we always we always don't want to say it. And again, it's about communication bar yeah. bar uh, barrier breakdown. Mm -hmm. um, we people, we just don't communicate. Yeah. And until we communicate, we don't know what somebody wants. We don't know what they like, what they don't like. Because mm -hmm. um, it, it's Erin's 20th birthday this year in right. July. We've got so much. I mean, we don't, we're not, saying that we're fully over this yeah because you've got all the memories mm. which you be do you think you ever do though do you think you, you don't you, you know, it's just you a, don't. It's a process, you, don't. you learn to it? carry it's on you it's no. like it's like you're building so say an orange you're building you've got this orange and you're building your life around it so you're just building yeah. top of that grief yeah. yeah do you know what i mean but the grief will always be there but mm. it's how you manage it on yeah. a daily basis yeah um and that's what some people can manage it fine mm -hmm. other people don't 
So that's yeah. when you really need to be there to support them. And that's what I'm saying. We don't just leave it there. No. We keep yeah. carrying on as much as we can. As long as we've got funding, they'll always get support. Mm -hmm. But if we don't get that funding, we can't do it. Yeah. And it's a yeah. With a parent as well, she, her baby would have been five-year-old. Mm -hmm. And she's seen her friend putting her girl photographs mm -hmm. first day at school. Yeah. That's just triggering yeah. again. And then she comes yeah. to us. We don't say, mm -hmm. by the way, that's five years ago. Yeah. We say, no. Yeah get in start talking about it mm -hmm. it's understandable we went through all that mm -hmm. and i think the important thing with us as well is every member of the committee and everybody is it's involved with the charity it's mm -hmm. all lived experience of baby loss well that's what i was going to ask uh, for, for people coming in it might be easier for them to relate because mm -hmm. you you've both lived through that do you know what i mean and it's it's probably easier than being asked to go to a group where it could be somebody that doesn't know you from Adam has never been in any sort of experience like that, mm -hmm. but they're trying to guide you on yeah. on how to get through it. So yeah. that must be a massive difference for people it that is, are coming. Uh, That's the feedback we get for a lot of families yeah. that when they come into the office and like obviously when you spoke to them, they go, do you know what? This has been really good for me. Like mm -hmm. I felt good leaving here because yeah. obviously I've heard what you've went through and yeah. obviously you've like I've spoke to them and stuff like that and they mm -hmm. just went, it's like a relief. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's it the does. kind of common thing they say when they sit down that we, we do it or with Julie's on herself mm -hmm. the common thing they come back with is that, do you know what you get it you get mm -hmm. what yeah. I'm going through yeah. and mm -hmm. you can see that kind of relief mm -hmm. in them we've had horror stories where they, they've come to us and said I went to a counsellor up the road there and she said hey what, what can I do for you what's up with you that's that's like that group thing you both went to and it's like fundraiser yeah, right. that doesn't help anybody that's, that's not going to help somebody no. so about us turning around as julie says no. it's really important to ask um what's your baby's name yeah it's the first thing you've got to mm -hmm. ask because that person goes oh, you've acknowledged my baby yeah. you have you've just yeah. acknowledged my baby and that yeah. that just totally takes all that stress away from them mm -hmm. and they know that so again loved experience we've got people that have had massive losses and uh, traumatic losses mm -hmm. we've helped through that so yeah. They want to put their bit back in. They yeah. want to help because yeah. they know where they've been and where they are now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's really important for that. Yeah. See, from the point of view of, and uh, but we're talking about the grief process and, and the different stages of it, is it difficult for the both of you, can I see people come in at the start of that journey and then you've you've probably seen it so many times now with different people, but how do you cope with that side of it? Because it's probably bringing back memories for the both of you so as well we get supervision so everybody who works for the charity gets supervision mm -hmm. so that they're able to go and talk about it yeah. to obviously the people that we give to them mm -hmm. so that they can just because it is it's really like see if i've got four or five parents a day that i see mm -hmm. it's absolutely draining yeah so like for that full day um i struggle mm -hmm. um but I try and be like, right, okay, this is what I need to do to help myself yep. so that I can keep carrying on and help the family. So I always do some self-care, maybe reading or something like that. I always mm -hmm. try and do something like that. So it's taken out of my mind a bit. Yep. Um, and then obviously to have supervision as well is really important because mm -hmm. you need uh, to carry on. Yeah. I'll take my heart to Julie because she's, she's full-time in it and take dealing with five parents. I mean, I've dealt with maybe one or two. Mm -hmm. but I, Probably the most I've done is two. Yeah. I'm absolutely done. I don't know how mm -hmm. she does it. And again, it could just be that we trigger where Julie's talking to somebody and it's the exact same process that mm -hmm. we've just went through. Yeah. The minute you get that, you just start to 
go back to that bit. Mm-hmm. And it just, as Julie says, it emotionally drains you. But we've we've put that support in place because yeah. we know that's going to happen um, and you're going to get tired and you're going to get ratty. Mm-hmm. So when you get to that stage and it's like, oh, supervision, mm-hmm. get in there yeah. and sort it out. And we try and do, we love music as well. Mm-hmm. I find that, see if I'm stressed out, I'll go in the car and I'll blast yeah. it, tunes out, and I'll go along in the motorway. Mm-hmm. And for that, that's my relief, mm-hmm. going out walking, going mm-hmm. to the gym, mm-hmm. gets all that stress out. Yeah. Julie likes listening to the uh, medi- mm-hmm. meditation. Med- meditation. Mm-hmm. So we've all got that. So yeah. we, we just pass that on to people. Mm-hmm. We're finding a lot of things now about dog walking. Right. We're finding that now. We're going to bring that yeah. in out and walk with your dog for a chat around maybe Strathclyde Park or something mm-hmm. so we're bringing that in as well mm-hmm. we're always looking for ideas we're always looking for ways yeah. of coping and mm-hmm. helping other people. yeah well that's what I was going to ask obviously we spoke about before we, we went on air about anybody could end up watching this or, or listening to it so if you were able to speak to someone who's maybe watching this and they're at that point where they want to go and get help but they don't really know how to go about it or where to turn, what would you say to people in that position that, that don't really know whether to come and see someone or can I sit and they're at that kind of crossroads of, I don't know what to do next? I would just say, reach out. You don't know until you come and speak to us. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think how I felt with reaching out. I felt like if I asked for help that people would think I'm crazy. Um, even if I had other children as well, I'd be scared in case they thought I was a failure as yeah, a mum. Yeah. So you're not a failure. You just, you've went through the hardest thing in your life. You just need that kind of guidance and support to try mm. and get you through it. So always come in, always reach out, always talk to somebody. Um, don't sit there and think that you can't talk to us or anyone else, like mm-hmm. family and stuff like that. Just come to us if you feel that you can't speak to maybe friends or family. Yeah. Then I... Come and, speak and again, to it's it. not about. It might not just be the counselling. It might be, as Julie says, just talk. Mm-hmm. We've got so many ways of communicating. We've got the website, which you can put on contact us, and we can give you the website address. Mm-hmm. There's Facebook. You can go into Messenger. We've got Twitter. You can go into private message. Yeah. We've even got LinkedIn. Nice you can get a private and Instagram. Yeah. So many communications yeah. with it. We've got a WhatsApp as well, mm-hmm. where you can go in and uh, text us. Mm-hmm. We've got a, a office number. You you. To make that first protocol, you might just want to text and say, I've just lost my baby. Mm-hmm. Then we'll say, what's your baby's name? Yeah. Then we'll go in the process. Yeah. That person might stop and not want to talk about it again. Mm-hmm. But do you know what? That's probably the interesting thing. That's I just, the first step. I needed to get that out. Yeah. And they've actually helped me. They've asked me my baby's name. Mm-hmm. And that's it. You might mm-hmm. never hear from them again. Yeah. Sometimes I'll find that family, uh, mums or dads will say to me, I don't know how to start the conversation. So even starting the conversation with saying hi, mm-hmm. that's yeah. it. I've had that. Then mm-hmm. I'll gradually have that conversation mm-hmm. with it. I've had parents that have done that and went, I don't know what to say. Yeah. So then that's when I've went into the conversation to try and open up a wee bit more. Mm-hmm. So a mm-hmm. lot of families do struggle. What what do I say here? Like, yeah. what, what do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. just even a hi, mm-hmm. if that's what you're feeling that you need to do. Yeah. And then obviously we'll take the step for there. Mm-hmm. And then obviously hopefully the conversation starts opening up. What we would say is please don't sit there and alone yeah. and think and dwell on it and, I think mm-hmm. there's nobody out there and mm-hmm. um, there is people out there. Mm-hmm. We've got a big network of people. Support groups are, uh, they're varied. You could be busy one time, you could be on yourself. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's really important, again, with the support groups, if there's a groupies, because then you hear other people's stories yeah. and then you start to feel as if, by the way, it's not just me, it's mm-hmm. 
they're all feeling the same way. Mm-hmm. And we've had so many people that would start to become friends yeah. in that mm-hmm. support group yeah. because, oh, by the way, I, I need to come and talk to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Julie says, the yoga type thing, I was like, what? <laughs> yoga? <laughs> and it was called sleeping yoga. I and do it, yoga. I'm honestly, honestly, it was lying on the floor and I thought, what am I doing here? What am I doing? <laughs> but we were doing it and it was like a meditation thing. Yeah. And I felt myself sinking in the carpet. And I said, that night, mm-hmm. I slept like a log. Aye. And mm-hmm. that's what people's problems were. They're saying we can't sleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we were getting feedback saying, I had the most amazing sleep. So it might be stuff like that. It's yeah. just, I'm not sleeping. That's constantly going through my head. So we've got different techniques. Mm-hmm. Well, so the support groups in Chrissy's house, that's um, uh, the last Monday of the month. Mm-hmm. And then we've got one in the Glasgow office at 15 Wellington Street. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the same as well. So they've got their choices. If they stay in Glasgow, they can yeah. choose there. If yeah, they stay in sure. Wishon, Lanarkshire area and South South Lanarkshire, they can do it over there as right, well. Okay. Um, we've all progressed to different areas, but then now we need obviously volunteers to help us mm-hmm. um, as well. That's a lot, a lot of people are struggling now for mm-hmm. volunteers. So even if you can volunteer out an hour, out your night or day, mm-hmm. just to obviously contact us as well because we do need the volunteers they're really really important volunteers pitch it right now yep. what do you need volunteers to do so we need volunteers to maybe do the support <coughs> groups so mm-hmm. what they would do is they would get a wee bit of training how to support them and um, we have got um events like asda so it's like um awareness tables mm-hmm. so we've got them in asda we've got them and the health centers libraries yep um we've also got like obviously the fundraising so like we've got what we've got on this year um we've got a psychic night we have a halloween party afternoon tea Mm -hmm. um we've got quite a few you can actually check them out on the facebook page um if you just go to events and it tells you the whole lot okay um we use eventbrite for tickets so if anybody wants tickets they can go on there Mm -hmm. and book that as well um and then we've got our race night coming up in june which is really fantastic so we've got quite a lot of businesses um linking in with that so um they're sponsors Right. So what they'll get is they'll get sponsored on our website for over there's different levels. Mm-hmm. So they can get a week, um, two weeks or a month. Right. And then obviously we can advertise them on the night and stuff like that as well. Right, so okay. um we've got that. We're always looking for fundraising prizes. Mm-hmm. So any businesses that are out there that yep. feel that they might be able to help us, mm-hmm. we're always looking for fundraising prizes right, for okay. all our events. Because we always try and have a like a wee table on there that you're doing raffles because everybody yeah. likes a raffle. Oh aye. <laughs> a raffle everybody's like or what's the other one we use it's not it's tombola is really good because when you got and then you go I need that five I need to obviously she passed away but what the first parent we helped mm-hmm. yeah, they all came to the afternoon tea made a tombola right. and her granny Oh, she must have spent about 50 quid. Yeah. She's coming up because obviously you have to get a five or a zero. Aye. She wouldn't get it, and then you come for a game and I'll turn her and I'll turn her. It was it's as you say, it can be quite It really is. So it's, um, we need loads of prices for them. Yeah. For the You'd be surprised because there, there will be people that watch it, and I will tag people in it as well. Um, <laughs> So if people want to volunteer or donate, they can just get in touch with over the yep, socials and yep, that. And over socials, yep, yeah. and we'll contact them back. Right, yep. okay. I think the biggest factor as well we want to promote is businesses as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not saying businesses are not doing it right. We're no. not doing it right with baby loss. Yep. Um, but there's a lot of businesses out there have not got the right protocol. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that's a bad thing, but we're trying to get it out there now. The taboo subject is probably gone now. We need to yeah. start moving on. Mm-hmm. With the Parliament and Scottish Parliament are trying to help now mm-hmm. by bringing in these policies. They're giving bereavement leave now for parents with baby loss. 
it's about us going to the businesses as well. Um, we're quite fine that a lot of, we understand that they've got a business to run yeah. and that person's just lost their baby. Mm-hmm. But there's maybe times that maybe you shouldn't phone them up and say, when are you coming back? Yeah. No, I'm, yeah. I'm burying my daughters tomorrow. Right. Can you phone me back? And it's about us going into businesses and not training them, but doing a presentation and yeah. saying, maybe you should just say, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Or sorry, I forgot your, your uh, funeral was tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a call back next week. Right. Or even if there was a system in place that when some does, somebody does have a bereavement with a child, then it's on the system so that they can go in there and go, right, okay, the funeral's going to be this time. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it's actually on the system that yeah. they've got it there to say, right, okay, they're not coming back because the funeral's then. Mm-hmm. But what we're trying to do is, we know it's a business, right? And you've still got to make money, but you need mm-hmm. to look after your staff. Yeah. So if you if we're able to go in there and offer counselling to the staff, mm-hmm. maybe getting them back into work maybe three weeks later instead of six months yeah. later. So it's about making sure that they're able to get back into work. Yeah. It'll help them, but it'll also help the businesses mm-hmm. because then they need that staff, especially if they're only for certain subject in yeah. that business yeah. and you need that person to be there. So it's about trying to get them back into that work as soon as possible, mm-hmm. but obviously to have that support for them as yeah. well. So that's what we're looking for to work with the businesses is to say, listen, we know you work. We know you've got a lot of stress, pressure. Mm-hmm. So to take that off us, take that off you a little bit it'd be good to obviously bring in the council yeah. and try and get them support mm-hmm. and obviously to um, help them get back to work as and well even spending a half an hour with the staff exactly we, we, yeah. we hear a lot of things we got a lot of feedback for parents saying that was my first day at work and every, every single person was hiding behind their monitor again it's back to the pub isn't it? it's, it's, uh, that, yeah. it's that fear factor right. it's about us getting in there and saying when they walk in the door mm-hmm. don't hide right. stand up give them a cuddle mm-hmm. say if you want to talk, I'm here for you. Aye. That makes them feel better rather yep. than you going, oh no, there she is, she's coming. It's or even just judging them. And, no, judging them, sorry. Even maybe just going over and saying to them, what is it you want? What yep. is it Aye. you need to know? Do you need a cuddle? Aye. Or do you need me to back off? Aye. Or do you need me to sit down and talk to you? Mm-hmm. What is it you need? Again, mm-hmm. it's communication. Yeah. We've got a communication back down there. So it's about trying to find out because not everybody likes a cuddle, not everybody likes to... So it's about Aye. trying to find... Obviously, no, you make them feel comf- uncomfortable mm-hmm. as well because the person that's not went through it feels uncomfortable as well. Yeah. So it's just about going up and saying, "What is it? What is it you want? Do you want me to mm-hmm. give you a cuddle now? Is that how you you would like yeah. it, or is it something you want to chat about or anything yeah. like that? Do you know what I mean? Just, I mean, just finding simple out things what they again. Need. We, we all probably in your workplace. Everybody knows everybody's birthday. We put it on the calendars, Aye. putting the baby's birthday on, Aye. and not making it a big thing. But all Aye. the staff coming up saying, "I know it's the uh, Erin's uh, birthday today." I'm just thinking about you. You that, that person will go, wow, they've just they've just remembered. Aye, it's yeah. as you see that if a business even gets gets you in to talk about it for a half an hour, it means if you get people that don't have families or anything, mm-hmm. it'll make them understand it yeah. a wee bit more as well. Mm-hmm. And that whole if somebody's coming back to work, they'll be like, oh, well, I'm a wee bit more comfortable about mm-hmm. yeah. going and speaking to them or saying, Are you alright or do you need yeah. anything? It is mm-hmm. that why would a business not do that? Exactly. It's, it but it's because we've been in a generation back then that it wasn't spoke about baby loss yeah. it was a taboo subject yeah. but now it's getting more open and open we need to push with that with other Aye. things that are going on with the businesses 100%. and obviously other areas we, we helped an 80 year old woman who lost a baby 40 years ago she only just dealt with that there and then because in 40 years ago her husband dealt with it all she never seen the baby um, so she went on with her life and she had kids and then her husband died, then her uh, kids moved out. She got to eight year old and she went, oh, thinking about this baby. Aye. So they referred her to uh, us 
and we dealt with it, gave her the counselling, mm-hmm. um, and we got her. She wanted that. She wanted that out yeah. before she obviously was going to pass away. So it's it's not just one year, two year, no. as I say we spoke about. Mm-hmm. If it's forty years, thirty yeah, years, the awareness tables are great as well because people come up and they'll say, um, "I had a loss twenty years ago." Mm-hmm. Then we say, "I'm really sorry about that." They'll have a wee cry. They'll say, "There's there's a support card if you want a uh, help." And mm-hmm. go, "What can you help me?" And we're like, "Yeah, yeah," because it never goes away. Yeah. You know that. Mm-hmm. You you can see the you approaching us and you've burst out crying. Mm-hmm. You you've either not dealt with that or you've yeah. just put it at the back of your head what I've done. Uh, so yeah, it's really important mm-hmm. with the awareness tables. That's amazing. Um, finishing up, what's the ideally and i'll say this because there might be businesses watching it and and you just don't know what what would you like to happen over the next kind of year or two i in an ideal world i'd like kind of support financially and supporting business wise to set up this well-being hub Mm -hmm. that's that's my aim yeah to have because i think it's really important that we have something like that Mm -hmm. um and also for the last time just to say that remember even though these babies are not here they're still a person Yeah. yeah Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much. No bother. I'm, I'm so, you know, I'm so happy I've done this now because I right. think, it's even if one person watches it mm-hmm. and goes, you know what, it might even be them. I like, I might know somebody yep. like that, or that's how that person was struggling so much. Yep. Yeah, it'll, it'll make a difference. But um, I appreciate you both coming in and, no, and being so honest as well. Thank you for letting us talk. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers.